Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hi, this is Amir. We are on another episode of uh, Better Tech. Today we are hosting ZJ. Uh we'll we'll learn about his startup, what they are doing, and uh, as always we'll try to make it entertaining and figure out what the new startups are bringing to the world in terms of tech and uh, and and take their view about current funding situation, tech situation, how they how they see the uh, the world is moving. So, welcome to the show Zizi. Yeah, thanks for having me uh uh Mayor. How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good and with me uh we also have Adil Arshad. Adil Arshad is a DevOps champ and his own right, uh, a brilliant guy. So, together or or the three of us uh, we all together we will uh try to talk about devops iot the startup and cj and figure out uh figure out what we have here today so to start to kick things off cj how about uh, you tell us a little bit about yourself and your startup um and and your i mean initial parts of yeah. your story yeah sure so currently i'm uh, the ceo of uh, flowforge where we're building an iot platform for uh the the space uh, specifically for industrial automation um in this space we're bringing devops to them uh in many of their practices there are lagging compared to web development and we think we can make a huge leap forward with that industry uh in terms of reliability and repeatability of their deployments um and then previously i used to work at gitlab where i learned much of devops um and the whole space most notably i've been uh the engineering manager for the whole git team so anything of gitlab that touched git which as you can imagine was a lot um i um i or my team touched and uh, try to make it reliable and scalable wonderful so tell us a little bit more about flowforge i mean uh what space exactly you are in i mean what stage of uh, startup journey in terms of funding team and customer acquisition so a little bit more uh, yes. getting so, deeper than flowforge i think you uh, can jump in if you want yeah, sure. Right. So, so let's start uh, at the inception. So um, the inception of Flowforge starts with OpenCore Ventures, which is the venture capital uh, firm of Sitsabrandi, who's also the CEO of GitLab. And uh, they're looking for uh, potential open source projects to, um, to commercialize and uh, push the community, the product uh, open source further with an OpenCore offering. OpenCore means as much as the core of the offering is and will always remain open source. And there's a, an extension, a superset to this core where there's a license model around it. And that's how, uh, um, yeah, the license is what you pay for and where you can build the business on. Uh, so the pre-seed was um, taking Node-RED, which has a very healthy community and very lively community, especially in uh, the makerspace, but also industrial automation. Um, and uh, augment Node-RED with... Um, something that is a superset and we uh yeah we can enhance the experience of the community uh with no dread we identified that a lot of the community were actually uh do it yourselfing a lot of the tooling they needed to deploy no dread uh so that's where we started with uh, flowforge so flowforge initially was uh orchestration of uh of no dread so how do you create multiple no dreads how do you make the deployment 
uh, fast and repeatable and reliable and uh, secure as well. So things like uh, uh, HTTPS and everything, the whole certificate uh, dance is taken care of. Um, and furthermore, um, it was multi-tenancy. So by default, Node-RED is multi-tenant. But as you can imagine, auditability in an industrial automation sector is very important to them because they want to know what changed when. Uh, so if there is an incident one way or another, um, they can understand what was changed and what they need to revert or uh, further enhance. Um, so currently we, uh, well, last summer actually, we closed our seed round uh, led by Cota Capital. Um, follow-on investments uh, of uh, Open Core Ventures again, uh, and some other smaller investing parties. And um, we selected our investors mostly to uh, to help us grow in the industrial automation uh, sector and uh, Open Core Ventures because of their knowledge in the open source space. Uh, and from there on out, we're now building a company and uh, uh, going to market with our solution. Um, so this is uh, both uh, the PLG motion, so we have a free offering on our clouds uh, where you can trial it and then you can grow in terms of adoption and also top-down sales-led motion basically where we go to the customers and if we know they're using Node-RED, uh, we'll discuss if we as Flowforge can enhance their usage of Node-RED and make them more effective with this tool. Okay, for a question to both of you for a three-year-old in tech, what is really Node-RED? Okay, I'll um, I'll kick off a deal, and I hope um, uh, I'll leave something for you to explain. But Node-RED is uh, was started eight years ago at IBM by Nick uh, O'Leary, who is the CTO and co-founder of Flowforge, uh, and it's a low-code integration tool. Uh, so if there is any type of event, you can drag and drop nodes and uh, draw wires between them. So basically data comes in, it is processed by a node, and then through a wire, it goes to any number of additional nodes. So where this is especially interesting is in IoT, where, for example, if a message comes in through an MQTT broker uh, from a sensor somewhere in the world, you still want to normalize the data, process the data, store it in a database, and potentially graph this on um, a dashboard. And so all the logic is easily programmable through the low-code interface of Node-RED. And this is um, this is also, the low-code aspect is also why it's very uh, well-adopted industrial automation. These are not generally um, computer science majors or, or PhD, um, but they are mechanical engineers and electrical engineers. So they definitely studied, they know their um, their area of expertise and through low code, they are enabled to also do the, the programming parts of, um, of their job and of the changing requirements of their job. And then secondly, what Node-RED and the community is amazing at is there are 4,000 plugins, um, mostly industrial. So if you're using a PLC by Siemens, for example, yeah, like click, uh, wait two minutes, and then you can integrate your PLC with the rest of your network uh, or devices. Um, if you're using Bosch, uh, exactly the same story. And so all major vendors are uh, supported that way from the hardware side, but also the software side. So Node-RED allows a lot of uh, companies to build uh, integrations between their ERP and the, their MAS system or um, whatever two systems they have. Um, they're usually not talking to each other directly, but through integration uh, software stack like Node-RED. Okay. Uh, okay. Go ahead, Adil. 
Yeah, so ZJ, you are talking about the node So what are the key points like you have chosen the node uh, As you know, there are a lot of tools and other competitors are available in the market. So what's your competitive edge and the competitive advantages to using the node Yes. So I think the, the way the Node-RED community and uh, Nick specifically brought the two aspects of low-code and the integration together is unique. Um, and there are, there are multiple uh, low-code toolings to build integrations. Think about uh, Zapier, for example. But what none of these do is actually integrate hardware. So if there is... A, dig, uh, a digital protocol, they all work well. So HTTP requests and all that, that all works. But what if it's a physical, um, um, like you need physical presence on a device to actually capture the data? Um, for example, like GPIO pins or, um, well, any cat's uh, um, uh, CAN bus, for example. Like there are many digital um, protocols, uh, but also very physical protocols. Um, you need support to be of use in industrial settings specifically. And we can install Node-RED anywhere. You can run a Linux kernel basically. And through that, um, the reach of Node-RED is just much broader. Um, yeah, so, so that's the that's the main, main key. And I think a large audience also underestimates how big the compute um, space is, which is on the edge. Like, yes, cloud is huge. And there are a lot of servers in data centers all around the world servicing cloud uh, providers and customers. But the compute that is not in a cloud is a magnitude larger, like uh, at least 10x. And then uh, industrial automation they can't bring most of their hardware to the cloud at all. So we need to integrate where the data is actually generated to normalize it at the edge, and then they make the decision what to do with the data. So, so Adil, I do have a few questions, and DJ, which is more towards the startup journey, the PLG market, and so on, so forth. So if you have any more technical question in the middle, you can you can go ahead and ask them before we move on to that part of that. But I, I can see, Zizi, there's a lot of uh, uh, growth in the IoT market. I'm an, uh, I, I'm an angel fund investor as well. So sometime back, I funded a small uh, angel investor in a, in a startup. It's called Grandeur. They call themselves uh, the Firebase of IoT. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are happening around and, and they, they were happening around IoT. So how you feel the overall uh, IoT movement is growing? I, I understand that at the end of the day, we all will be in a connected world and every device and everything will be connected. But uh, is the momentum same as a few years ago? It's, it's uh, how the space is evolving itself. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, a fastly growing market uh, from what we're seeing as well, what the hardware vendors are doing uh, we're only getting started, really. Um, the all types of automation or where there's hardware involved, like the, the 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 time to change is a little longer. And I think IoT is right at the cusp of where everything is about to change because hardware is uh, is is um, either defect now and and there's a proper replacement with connected uh, capabilities. Um, and there is more of a software stack to actually support this uh, this data. Um, over the past 10 years, um, since IoT uh, as a concept was coined, um, 
initially it was mostly a thought experiment, but right now we're really in in the in the in the game where practitioners can actually practice uh, IoT. So I think it's a very um, uh, it, it's a maturing space, and there's a lot of business in the space. Um, <clears throat> and where previously they were thinking about the benefits and it was mostly a thought experiment, now they are actually getting results. And by getting results, you see investments increase and increase. And um, also with our customers, what we're seeing is they start out small, but usually within a year, they're upping their license count already because they adopt more and more of uh, the solutions they are, uh, they're buying. So one of the things that I felt uh, with IoT was that, as you mentioned uh, earlier in the talk, that uh, I mean, the hardware, the devices, they are mostly for engineers. And then there's the whole software kind of a thing. And DevOps essentially initially were more like a software operations. So I guess uh, a lot of uh, teams are coming together. We're trying to create that interface where electrical engineers can take or other engineers can make use of the software and vice versa. So I believe, so you, I, I think your, your product is also in the similar space. Is a correct, correct assessment that uh, you're, you're making the integration or the working of uh, this a lot more easier so electrical engineers can use software and software guys can, can, can do more of engineering stuff. Is this... A correct assessment. Yeah, I would call them both engineers, but um, yes, <laughs> in, uh, like the uh, the IT and the OT, like both come together through uh, through software, um, because that's the layer they both uh, both understand. Um, so yes, th th there's a there's a nice um, yeah IT OT convergence as a, as a trend is really happening. Um, we are indeed in in the space, but mostly in digitalization. So uh, taking things that are physical and digitalizing them, uh, normal uh, normalizing data, and um, investing currently in visualization and understanding what the data does as well. So, talk to me a little bit more about the PLG thing that you're doing. So, I mean, as as I said, the other startup that I invested in, they also uh, created and uh, their product and offered it to the community and try to go through the product-led growth. So what's your experience so far? Is it really working out? And are there any best practices for a PLG? How communities are uh, are an important part of, of PLG? I mean, talk to me a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So, so the advantage we got is that we're working with the Node-RED community. Um, and the Node-RED community was established already, and we didn't. We, we wanted to build Flowforge with the community, so we got more input from them. And uh, PLG is is a key part of this uh, this movement and and this philosophy for our company. Uh, so we needed uh, an on ramp for the whole community. Um, industry uh, industrial automation as uh, isn't of a well as an industry isn't really used to the PLG motion yet. Um, and we've seen some issues with, um, with attracting the right, well, like the industrial automation uh, large accounts through PLG. So that's also why we are a hybrid sales model where both it's uh, sales led and we, um, we do the, the enterprise sales motion, uh, but also PLG to uh, attach yourself strongly to the Node-RED community and allow them to understand what the value is. Um, the PLG motion compared to other companies like the, the software dev tooling um, companies is taking a bit longer to mature, uh, but we're all right with that. Um, 
as long as uh, as we can work with the community, they provide constant feedback of, of what we're doing right and things we should improve. Um, so in terms of like dollar amounts, the sales led motion for us is more um, profound and more um, business defining at this point. Uh, but I do see a trend and I do see a lot of customers actually try the product as an on-ramp and um, in, in a later stage, uh, they connect through the sales cycle um, to go top down again. So um, it's not a classic like bottoms up. I go to the first tier and then later I grow myself to the middle tier and then I end up in the gold tier and everything is uh, great for the for the business on both sides. It's uh, what we're observing right now is adoption of the lowest tier and then they themselves reach out to us again uh, to go in the sales led motion. Okay. Okay. And, and in terms of, uh, so if your number is public, I mean, how much time, uh, I mean, what is, what is the traction that you've got so far in terms of the users or active things happening? I mean, how do you really measure the product adoption? Uh, some people might it through the number of events happening, some with the number of subscribers, some with the number of downloads. I mean, how do you measure, measure your product adoption? And, uh, what is the kind of uh, growth curve uh, in the last one, two years that you have seen? That's two questions. And the third one is really how this current funding uh, environment uh, is treating you. Are you looking at it? Yes. So our growth curve, uh, what I can disclose is uh, Q1 of this year. Uh, so we grow, grew with more than 10% week over week uh, on the KPI of managed instances. And managed instances for, me, for us means any Node-RED instances, uh, instance that is managed through Flowforge itself. So this could be on the edge, like on a PLC, but it could also be a cloud uh, Node-RED that is normalizing data and storing it in a database. Um, so the adoption has been incredible. Uh, so over 10% week over week. Um, that's yeah more than tripled in a quarter. So we're, we're very pleased with the adoption of the community, but also of industry uh, itself. Um, and then the second thing, like our funding story, um, yeah. So this is um, this the, the sales cycle in this industry are are fairly long. So we raised, I think, a little more than you would have in other industries. Um, but then the budgets are much higher of uh, of our customer uh, compared to. Uh, to typical SaaS companies. So that's the, the remedying factor. And I think it still makes sense as a business to, uh, to pursue this. Okay. And if, uh, as a, as a company, if I want to be, I mean, let's say I'm a services company or a professional services company, uh, what can I do really to capture the growth cycle of Flowforge and be partner with it? Uh, so that uh, if you guys grow, I also grow as a professional services company and and can have engineers who can work with Flowforge. I mean, uh, and Adil, after that, you can ask your questions and then we'll move towards the end of, of the segment. Yeah, so what we're seeing is that um, more and more factories are going to build their own software stack. So as an integrator and professional services company, um, 
you will gonna need a platform to build off of as an off-ramp and as a baseline of capabilities that you're gonna need anyway. So connectivity to, to uh, from point to point, but also connectivity from point to the cloud, um, data storage and normalization uh, and visualization are all tools that every factory is gonna need. Um, we as a company do not provide solutions. We provide you with an envi uh, development environment and with a quick on-ramp and a quick time to solution. It is for professional services companies and integrators uh, to provide a solution. Uh, we do partner with um, integrators and we provide them with training. Uh, there's, uh, if, if they bring on customers, there's, there's obviously some revenue share uh, that they, uh, uh, they'll get as part of the agreement. Um, and they have a better insight of what the best adoption journey is for customers. Um, so this, this comes back to DevOps, where first, um, 20 years ago, just with software, it was very um, top-down in terms of adoption of new software stacks. Um, and that changed where developers are now making decisions on what components uh, make up their architecture. And the same is happening in factories right now. So integrators are a vital key part of our uh, strategy because they understand at which point it is best to bring Node-RED and Flowforge into the mix, or if Node-RED is already in the mix, at which point there's a flip point where Flowforge um, creates so much value for the customer that they will want to adopt. Uh, do you have a partner uh, program already or are you working on it? Uh, yes, uh, so both. We do have some partners already and we're uh, currently also extending uh, with um, select partners based on uh, geography as well as like the knowledge they bring to Node-RED and if they're already familiar with Node-RED and um, the space. Adil, any questions from you? Yeah, uh, like <clears throat> I will focus on the DevOps side, like I'm interested to learn about all this stuff. Like, you know, ZJ, uh, you know, the implementation of DevOps in an organization is a very tricky. Like, yeah. you have to face a lot of challenges and obstacles. So what are the main challenges of obstacles to adopting DevOps for IoT? And how can these be overcome? Yeah, I think the main challenge for DevOps in IoT has to do with the split in organizations between IT and OT. So you have two groups, and while they have the same goal for the organizations, they usually have different ways of going about it. And this very much is um, alike the dev and the ops coming together over the last 10 years in uh, the software industry. Uh, and as uh, said before, the I and the OT are going to converge into, well, not one. They're not 100% going to converge, but they're getting closer. But as soon as you bring people uh, closer together, there's more um, unsiloing. And removing silos always creates friction because uh, it gets diffused of who has responsibility for what. And meanwhile, you still want to keep the quality up. You want to keep the repeatability and the reliability of your so software systems top notch. Um, and software has a huge um, potential there to, to guide people on the right path, to provide guardrails. Uh, so all these things that are on the side of the organizational change that is happening are just taken care of, and it's very hard to stray off the, off the uh, proven path. Yeah, as you know, like in DevOps, the most stuff is related to the automation, like uh, to make it 
more automate and make it the yeah. profitable like you have to adopt a best practices for that like if you uh, you have automated and a bad practices then you are in a loss so how you are making sure like you are adopting and what is your criteria for evaluation for the best practices to implement the devops yeah, so specifically, uh, we apply this to Node-RED. So we see how people are adopting Node-RED and what they're doing with Node-RED. And uh, again, we're providing the guardrails for them. If they want to go uh, left or right of those guardrails, then sure, uh, you're still able to. But it's much easier to stay on uh, the path that we uh, we'd recommend you to take. Um, so, for example, the multi-tenancy, one of the first features we built, or the quickly um, and reliably, but also securely spinning up new Node-RED instances in the cloud, is a good example of, of where we're aiding them with tooling to uh, practice DevOps. And currently, we're also building uh, ways where they can fork a running Node-RED uh, so they can uh, develop it not on production load. So what we're seeing in industrial automation a lot is that they actually physically go to a PLC and they change the logic of this PLC and they observe what happens to the machine, which has uh, physical safety concerns, but also um, it takes a lot of time to get this right, where what you want to do is actually isolate your experiment, um, test your experiment, and then deploy it. And also, if it doesn't work, allow you a very fast rollback to a version that uh, works as expected, or at least has a baseline performance. Okay. So how do you see the future of IT, uh, IoT and the DevOps evolving in the next few years? Yes, I, uh, I'm going to go with the with the must-used quote, uh, software is eating the world. Like, this is also true in the factory. So IoT and DevOps um, are going to be used in industrial automation a lot, a lot more, and it's going to be defining for their business. Uh, so they too will hire more um, software-oriented uh, developers, whether their background is in electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, or anything else. Um, and this trend will continue on uh, for at least uh, 15, 20 years until they fully caught up with, uh, with the, the software world. Uh, their uh, time to replacement of hardware is fairly low. So it's much easier and cheaper for them to iterate and improve on the software stack. And they will continue to do so until... Uh, um, yeah, like the, the investment doesn't worry the uh, warrants the payoffs anymore, or vice versa, actually. Yeah. yeah. Good to know that. So, Sazija, thank you. Uh, quite a delightful discussion. One, a couple of last questions, and we'll just uh, wrap up. So, I mean, what's uh, Flow Forward's this year plan? I mean, how you, uh, or two years vision, where you want yourself to be? uh in the couple of years and what are the important success matrices that you that you're following yeah so the trend uh, we identified is that people are using less and less off-the-shelf products um and that they're going to build their own software stack so flowforge uh, has to become the software layer that they built on, uh, on top of so an infrastructure layer project that is um, almost like the Linux kernel for a lot of software developers. You start with Linux and then you build your solution on top. Uh, so Flowforge will be the kernel for factory development. And they will build distinct applications with Flowforge. And through that, uh, Node-RED will be adopted uh, widespread. 
so that is uh, that is where we're uh, we're gonna be in five years. Um, what was the second question again? Um, I'm just, this was the this was the question. Okay, yeah. just, just, just a side question: How big is your team right now, and how you're growing it? Uh, so last year, around this time, we were with five. Right now, we're at twelve. Uh, so that is more than doubled in the last year. Um, yeah, we're currently hiring for free roles, so we continue on with uh, investing in the space. And the uh, the feedback we're getting from customers is very hopeful, and uh, the growth we're seeing in terms of uh, pipeline as well as revenue um, has been um, yeah really really uh, encouraging for us to continue this. Uh, this growth. And if a company wants to start working with you, uh, what's the most sweetest part that they can help you and you can help them? Uh, yeah, it usually depends on who adopts uh, Flowforge or who wants to adopt Flowforge. But um, uh, on the engineering layer, we are an open core product. So they get to install our software themselves on their own hardware. Um, and through that, the adoption usually starts, and then after a while, they'll uh, they'll knock on our door to professionalize this rollout. Um, or if you are a director or up in the organization, then usually they uh, they reach out to us for a demo, understand the value there they can provide to the rest of their organization. And um, at one side, we usually start a proof of concept and work our way from there um, to a deployment that makes sense for them. Okay. So I, I guess uh, I'm good over here, Adil. Uh, if you're also good, uh, we'll wrap it up. And Zizia, uh, thank you very much for being with us today. I think it was a great insight into, into the startup that you're building and all the best wishes for, for the ongoing success. I and Adil will also uh, uh, talk and think how we can uh, kind of uh, work together to be part of the movement that you're trying to create and if there are any opportunities. So thank you very much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, enjoyed the conversation. And um, yeah, again, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Better Tech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.